Good morning. Apparently there was two dollars on this uh, podium. I don't. I don't know. Thank you. I'll just we'll find out who whose that was or what that was for. It was a tip. It was a tip for good preaching. Um, thank you. You didn't even get the get service yet. All right, perfect. Well, anyway, um, we've been in uh, a sermon series born out of Vision Sunday, which was like three weeks ago. And uh, we've been talking about this, this word, like we, I, I pray every year for a word for the coming year. Um, and I was talking about it over the past three weeks, really, and even with Pastor John preaching um, a couple weeks ago, like that it's more than a word, it's more like an action. It's, um, it's a calling that God is beckoning us to participate in. And um, I've received so many text messages and emails and I've had personal conversations with so many of you that are like, man, I, I really feel like it's a confirmation of the things that the Lord has been speaking to, to you about, about moving into a new season, that it's time and that uh, God is preparing you for new things. And, um, but kind of the, this, this difficult place that for many of us, where we feel like God's moving us into a new season, but we're not quite sure what to do in the meantime because um, here's the problem with new seasons in our lives. They never seem to change quickly enough. Amen? So let me, give you, let me give you just kind of a very practical example of what I'm talking about. Supposedly, the first day of spring is in two weeks. Supposedly. Okay. Yeah, hallelujah, right? Now, it doesn't feel like spring. And probably in two weeks, it still won't feel like spring for those of us living in Maine. Um, on Friday, I woke up to three degrees, three, three degrees, two weeks before spring. Um, here in Maine, uh, we find we just had, had snow last week. And so, um, on March 20th, just so you know, your calendar will tell you that spring has arrived, <laughs> but it's also still coming. Like it's here and yet it's not yet. It's, it's, it is absolutely, we're in it. Spring has arrived, March 20th, you're in it, and yet it's, it's still not quite fully arrived. The calendar isn't lying to you. It just takes a level of faith sometimes to believe that what you see in front of your face is actually changing, even when it feels like more of the same. Amen? And uh, so I, I believe this is just a word for, for us as a community, as, uh, as a corporate word, but I also believe that it's, uh, it's a word for, for you individually um, to help you move forward um, into this, this new season, this, this new phase that, that God has for you, and to, and to take that step of faith that is sometimes risky, even though all you see in front of you is winter, spring is coming. Amen. So, with that as a backdrop, I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 6. Uh, the, God, God has not allowed me to, to get out of, of this book, and so we've been preaching through Joshua 4, Joshua 5 last week, and now Joshua 6. Um, the Israelites, just to kind of give you a little bit of background, if you weren't here over the past couple weeks, the Israelites had been wandering around in the desert for 40 years, waiting to be able to go into the promised land that God freed them from Egypt as slaves in Egypt to now walk into the promised land, but due to their grumbling and complaining, they stayed in the desert for 40 years. 
Now Moses has died, Joshua is their new leader, and God has miraculously parted the seas of the Jordan River, and all of the people of Israel have crossed over through the Jordan River on dry ground. Hallelujah. That's where we kind of left off. It's a new season. Spring has come. And they're now in the promised land, right? Not, not quite. It's not quite that easy. Because just because God promises you, promises you something doesn't mean that you possess it. Let me say that again. Just because God promises you something doesn't mean that you possess it. And this is the, essentially, they've crossed over on dry ground, and the first place that they now have to go to is this place called Jericho. They have to overtake Jericho. Jericho is not a huge city, but they have huge walls. Some archaeologists believe that um, the, there was actually almost like two walls on kind of a, a mountain slope. The first wall from archaeological digs say that it was probably about six feet wide. So this is a six foot wide wall, pretty tall. And then there was a second wall that was up even higher on the mountain. Either way, when you're standing on the ground looking up at Jericho, the walls would have felt or appeared to be 25 to 45 feet high huge, huge, six-foot walls on the bottom and go up, stretch, look like 25 to 45 feet high. And this is what we see, Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. It says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. So these walls, I want you to just imagine that. Six foot wide, 45 feet tall. They were intimidating. They looked overwhelming. They looked absolutely impenetrable. Like there's no way through these things. And if I were Joshua, I would be thinking, I thought, that, I thought this new season was going to be smooth sailing. Like you parted the sea, we walk over on dry ground. Miraculously, one of the most amazing miracles. And yet now I am literally staring at walls that there is absolutely no way for us to get through. It looks impossible. Verse 2, the Lord says to Joshua, think about this, the Lord says to Joshua, as Joshua is craning his neck to see up the 45-foot walls, this is what the word of the Lord says to Joshua. See, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. See what? God's like, see? I've delivered Jericho into your hands. If I'm Joshua, I'm thinking like, all I see are 45-foot walls and closed doors. I don't see what you're seeing. I, I, verse 1 and verse 2 couldn't be more different. And it's almost like God is saying to Joshua, don't be fooled by what you see. And I would say that to some of you in here, don't be fooled by what you see. Essentially, the first point is this, Joshua chose to believe what God saw. And let me just tell you, when we are focused on huge walls and closed doors, we will get overwhelmed by our own perspective. God is always calling us to see what he sees. And we're not going to be able to see what God sees if we're so focused on the walls around us rather than the kingdom within us. 
And as we walk around, and, and believe me, in our life, in your personal life, in our world, in our nation, there are walls that seem impossible, impenetrable, paralyzing to even move forward. And God's saying, see? No. I see the world going to hell in a handbasket. No, I, I see gas prices rising up to $5 a gallon. No, I don't see it. What are you talking about? And he's like, see, do you see? Because I'm asking you to not see what you see, but to look beyond what you see to see what I see. Because beyond what you see is a big, beautiful future ahead of you. But I'm stuck staring at 45-foot walls and closed doors and saying, I'm going to just give up. I guess, I guess maybe we took a wrong turn. This is the place where we're supposed to go. And God's saying to Joshua, don't be fooled by what you see. Don't be fooled by what you see. And, and, and those huge walls before you are like paper walls to God. Those huge walls before you are like paper walls to God. Why? Because he sees the end from the beginning. So the walls that we think are so huge, the walls that we think that are so impossible and we're never going to get through, we're never going to round, we're never going to get over, God's like, those things are like paper to me. I want you to see what I see. One, one translation of um, Proverbs chapter 29 says this. Proverbs 29, 18, it says this, without vision, people live without boundaries. Other translations say, without vision, people cast off restraint. I like this one. It says, without vision, people live without boundaries. Let me explain to you in kind of real, just, just base terms, right? When I don't have vision for my own personal health, I just eat whatever looks good. I have no boundaries. Well, I don't have a vision for, for, for kind of, uh, I want to lose this weight, I want to live like this, I want to be healthy in this way. I, when I don't have a vision for my own personal health, I just eat whatever I want to eat. If I don't have vision for my own financial freedom, then I just keep hitting that buy now button. Just keep buy now, buy now, buy now, buy now. I don't even care, we'll get the bill later. Buy now, buy now, right? If I don't have a vision for my time and how I'm going to spend my time, then I just allow everybody else to dictate my calendar for me. Because when you have a vision for something, then it drives your behavior. When you have a vision for something, you actually live within boundaries for your life. And so what I would say to you, if you're struggling in a place where you're struggling trying to manage your behavior, or maybe you're having a struggle putting boundaries in your life that you know you need to have in your life, I would encourage you to start asking God for a vision to live for. To say, God, I actually, I need you to speak to me. I need a vision for, the, for what, because I need boundaries to be able to walk and to do, to see what it is that you're calling me to do. So, wait until you see what God's victory plan is for this. Verse 3. Those of you who have read this before, verse 3. This is what God tells Joshua, the leader of all of the Israelites. He says, march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, give the whole army, uh, have the whole army give a loud shout. And then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and, and everyone will go straight in. So, God's military strategy is to march in circles, blow horns, and shout at walls. 
It doesn't sound like much of a military strategy. It sounds like an early 90s worship service. Does it not? Minus the glory hoops. I mean, literally, like, it's like, no, no, this is how we battle, right? This is how we do. This is how we do, right? We're going all Old Testament, you know, back in the 90s. This was what we did. But the thing that I love about Joshua, even in the face of looking silly, he acted in obedience to God's word. Can I encourage you, whether you've been in the, in, in the Lord for a long time or maybe it's just been a week, faith does not work by simply believing, but rather acting on what you say that you believe. When God's word comes to you, <laughs> it's not enough for you to just be like, yep, okay, cool, yeah, that's good, yep, yep, yep. He actually says, no, I actually want to walk, I want... There's a participation that comes along. He's like, I actually want to walk this thing out with you, but it's going to cost you something, and you're going to have to walk it out in obedience, even if it, you look silly, even if it sounds silly, and even if you don't agree with it. Faith isn't simply believing. It's actually acting on what you say that you do believe, even if you disagree. Mm. Verse 6. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, he yells, it's got an exclamation point, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. I want you to, I want you to just capture this. He, he yells to his army, advance, but instead of advancing and fighting and killing, they go for a walk every day, for six days. As they're, walking around the, as they're walking around the walls, they're just walking in circles around their walls, right? Every day, they get up, they walk around the circle. Like the first day, you're kind of thinking, okay, that was maybe like a reconnaissance mission. And we're just kind of checking out, seeing if there are like chinks in the armor, you know, seeing if there's anything like, you know, like a Jenga, you know, board or something, you can push that, you know, oh, we can get through here. You know what I mean? Like, oh, there's a loose rock here or something like that. Like, we're going to go around here, but like, all right, tomorrow we strike. Tomorrow, baby, is the day. They get up. Joshua's like, okay, what we did yesterday, let's do it again. Okay, so they all walk around. They repeat this for six days in a row. Get up, walk in a circle, go back to camp, take a nap for six days. This is kind of, um, if, if, you're, um, if you're a person in this army, you're an officer in this army, you got to be thinking, why in the world are we doing this? Have you not checked out these walls? Because I've been looking at them for six days. Should we not be spending these past six days fashioning battering rams, uh, flaming arrows, catapults, you know, where they threw cats over the wall? It's like something. We should be doing something to get over these walls. And instead, we're just, we're just going around in circles around these things, just, just kind of staring at them and blowing horns. Like, this cannot be the plan, Joshua. But notice, Joshua does exactly as God told him to do. And this is when it gets hard for every single one of us. Every single one of us. This is where it comes off the rails for every single one of us as Christ followers. The word of God comes to us. Maybe it's in a worship service. Maybe it's in your prayer time. 
Maybe it's through a friend. Maybe it's through the Word of God. The Word of God comes to us, and we acknowledge it, but we don't obey it. And sometimes it's because it's hard, and I get it, and sometimes it's because we don't understand it, but most times it's because we just plain don't want to. And we don't agree with it. And, and the question that rolls around, and I'm saying, if you want to walk into this new season that, that God has for you, the question that, that, I, that rolls around to me in this is, what if God is actually more interested in your obedience than your agreement? I know your opinions are, are, are awesome and, and everyone's got them and, and, and yours is better than mine and I get that, but, but what if God is more interested in your simple obedience to his word rather than your agreement with it? Many times God calls us to do what he says even if our heads haven't caught up with it yet. And if you think about how silly it must have been for Joshua to command his army to march around walls six times and on the seventh time, do it seven times, blow horns and yell at walls. Huh. If I was in Joshua's army, here what would have, this would have helped me out a little bit. If I was thinking about this, like if every time I marched around the wall, let's say day one, they're marching around the wall, they're like, okay, Joshua told us to do this. We're going to just keep going. They're marching around the wall. And then as they're marching, all of a sudden, little like starts crumbling down. Wouldn't that be awesome? Right? They're just like, did you see that? This thing's working, right? Day two, you wouldn't have to wake me up. I'd be like eating my oatmeal. I'd be like, let's go, let's go. And I'd be walking. I'd be like, hallelujah, right? I'm walking around this wall. You were checking this thing out by day five, man. This thing's all going to be crumbled down. If we just kind of just go like this and be like, and they'd be like blowing this thing. Why? Because they just like every single time we walk around this wall, it works. It's working. What if your prayer life was like that? Wouldn't that be awesome? You just say a quick prayer and then your wife comes over unannounced and starts rubbing your feet. It's like, hallelujah, right? You're just like, this thing's working. You're just like praying for your kids. You say a quick prayer. All of a sudden, your adult child just calls you up like, Dad, I just want to say I love you. They're like, do you need money? No, I just wanted to call and say that I love you. What? This prayer thing works. I say a quick prayer and I get a raise. Hallelujah. Like I'm, look, at, you wouldn't have to tell anybody to stop praying, right? I'd be like, no, you, you can kill me. I'm, I am praying. Why? Because this prayer thing works. Every time I walk around this wall, every time I'm praying, I'm, the wall's crumbling down. But how many of you know that God doesn't work like that? And if God did work like that, we would get this sneaking suspicion that we were the ones doing it, wouldn't we? Well, I don't know, man. I got these hot hands and I got this prayer and this like golden shaft to heaven. And like, I, you just ask me and I can get things done. You want to raise? Hallelujah. You know what I mean? Like, just touch me. Like, we would get to this place where we think that I think I kind of have a little bit of thing part to own here, don't I? You're welcome, Jesus. <laughs> but we get to the sneaking suspicion that like we, we're doing something here. And I think God just continually is like, no, 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 you don't get it. I just need you to walk in obedience to that which I tell you and watch me do it. And just watch me do it. Verse 10. What's interesting here in verse 10 is that this is the one thing that Joshua did or told them to do that God didn't tell him to do. 
So everything else, he's like, okay, God told me to do this, 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 and this. We're going to go six every time, six, 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 go, go, go. Not, I didn't mean six, six, six. Uh, you know, six times, and then seventh time, we're going to do it seven times, and then we're going to boop, 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 and then they're all going to go down. We're going to yell. Like, but this is the one thing that Joshua adds. Look what he says. Joshua had commanded the army, verse 10. Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. Isn't that interesting? God didn't tell him to do that. I mean, God said, like, hey, I'm the, you know, when you hear the, like, the long, then you shout. But he didn't tell him, like, hey, tell everyone to shut their mouths. This was Joshua's doing. Why did Joshua add this? I think because he knows how you and I are. I think Joshua told them all to shut their mouths because sometimes our greatest enemy is our own mouth. I think Joshua's like, look, guys, I don't know if you remember, but like our fathers and grandfathers, their grumbling and complaining got us 40 years in the desert. And I'm not going to allow you to screw this one up. I don't want to hear your divisiveness. I don't want to hear your grumbling. I don't want to hear your discord. I don't want to hear your complaints. I even don't want to hear your amazing opinions, right? I don't want to hear your doubts or your questions. Do not screw this up. So if you got something to say, keep it to yourself. And when I say shout, shout. In other words, you cannot walk in victory and talk in defeat. And so many times we want to walk in victory, we want to walk ahead, we want to walk into a new season in life, and yet our mouths are saying a different story. Our mouths are grumbling, our mouths are doubtful, our mouths are complaining, our mouths are full of just junk and discord and divisiveness. And sometimes our role is to just zip it. Come on. Until God says go. Until God says now. Sometimes our role is to just stop talking about it and just do it when he says go. Amen? If you're going to win in this next season, it's going to begin with your mouth. Verse 15. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. Isn't it interesting that on the last day, the day that they must have felt like giving up, God called them to not just do what they had been doing, but to do it even more. Verse 16, it says, the seventh time around when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The thing that I love about Joseph is that he did not wilt before walls. He circled them with a sound of praise. And so when you speak, stop proclaiming what you see over your situation. How tall the walls are, how thick they are, how shut the doors are, how barred everything is, how impossible your your situation is. Rather, shout out the vision of what God sees over the problems that you see. So many times we think we, our, our job is to, is to kind of walk around and do a reconnaissance and circumspect and see all the things that are going wrong and how it's so impossible when our role is to actually shout the vision of what God sees over what we see. 
Because if, if I'm really honest, sometimes I have more faith in my excuses than I do in God's Word. Sometimes I look at the reasons and the things that are holding me back and I have more faith in them than I actually do in what God sees and what He's spoken and what His Word says. And what I love about Joshua is that he doesn't see his obstacles as excuses. Verse 20. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet... When the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, and so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. One verse, verse 20, one verse to communicate one of the most craziest miracles in the Bible. It all happens there. One verse. It gets one verse. The army shouts, the walls collapse, and everyone charges straight in. One verse to communicate all of that. They obeyed what God said even though they must have felt silly doing it. And the walls that were all once obstacles all of a sudden become gateways to God's promise. And if the walls were truly set up the way that they were, that the archaeologists say, and not only that, many archaeologists say that the walls didn't fall in, they actually fell out. So what does that mean? It means that those things that were once obstacles actually turn into rampways and entryways into the promise. They fall out and it literally creates a ramp for you to continue to move forward into the promise. Isn't that amazing? See, we can view our walls as impenetrable. But to God... They're paper. To God, they're paper walls. And you're like, but, yeah, but you don't understand. Like the, I, I mean, this, this thing is big, like, but it makes you wonder. Like, how many paper walls are holding me back from possessing what God has promised? How many paper walls are holding you back from walking into the new season that God has prepared for you. Now think about this. Like we talk about these, you know, paper walls. We all have, we all have reasons. Joshua had reasons. He had every reason to look at the walls that were in front of him. These forty-five foot tall walls, and say, and say, and argue with God. Like you, you don't understand. These things are too big. They're too wide. They're too tall. They're too scary. And and every single one of us has reasons too. I could ask you, like, you know, well, why don't you do this? Well, because. Well, why don't you forgive them? You don't, you don't understand. Because. Why don't, you, why don't you give that up in your life? Well, let me explain. It's because. Why, why don't you, why, why do you just keep going back to that same relationship over and over and over again? Well, it's, let me explain. It's because. Like our reasons can make moving forward look improbable, impossible, or even paralyzing. And so many of our paper walls are made up of fears. So many of our paper walls are made up of like generational dysfunction. So many of our paper walls are made up of just 
lies that we believe about ourselves. So many of our paper walls are made up of our past hurts, pain, things that disqualify us or we think that disqualify us. So many of our paper walls are actually made up of excuses, reasons, but excuses. And I wonder how many times we we end up living behind paper walls, never venturing close enough to see the big, beautiful future that's beyond them. I want to leave you with just like a a few ways to, to begin poking holes and tearing down paper walls in your own life. The first thing is this. Identify them. Identify them. Take a look at them and identify them. What are the reasons that are holding you back from moving forward in your life? You you know that like God's got a plan, he's got a purpose, he's got a promise for you, but like what are the reasons that are actually holding you back from moving forward in your life? What are the reasons that you're not possessing the promise that God has for you? And I would encourage you in this, write them down. Even if they sound silly, like even if you're like, ah, well, really it's because of this. Like it's, it, and, and it may seem like, ah, it's just between you and God. You don't have to show it to anybody. Just write, write it down. Like this is the reason why I'm not changing my job and I know I need to. This is the reason why I'm not breaking off this relationship even though I know I should. This is the reason why I'm afraid of commitment. This is the reason why I'm not trusting God in my tithe. This is the reason why I'm not breaking this bad habit. This is the reason why I'm not taking better care of myself. Write it down. Write down the reason, even if it's silly. Take five minutes to say, you know what, I'm just going to go through it. I'm just going to be honest with myself. I'm just going to write this thing down. I'm just going to write down the reason. Now, once you have that down, once you've written down the reasons that, that, that are kind of holding you back from moving forward into this next season, into this new phase, into this walking in obedience to, to what it is that God's placed in your life, the second thing is this, interrogate them. Interrogate your reasons. Like, just like an interrogation room, shine a light, shine a light right on them and ask these questions. Who am I afraid of? What am I afraid of? Like, Worst case scenario, what's the worst thing that could happen? What, 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 what is the worst case scenario that I'm afraid of here? If I do the thing that I'm afraid to do, what, what's the worst thing that could happen here? What's the narrative that I'm believing about myself? Or maybe am, am, I, am I just being lazy? But interrogate them. Just be honest. Just say, you know what? Those are these, this is the reason I've written it down, but I'm really, truly honest I'm really just afraid of this. And your answers to your interrogation will let you know if it's a brick wall or a paper one. It'll let you know. Is this this a brick wall or is this a paper? And here's the thing. If it's a brick wall, a true brick wall in your life, then you need to stop talking about it and you need to start circling it in prayer. If you've got a brick wall in your life, a real brick wall, that this isn't made out of paper, this isn't just my own excuses, this is legit stuff, these are things, this is, this is, this is pain, these are things that actually are, are standing in the way, then you need to stop talking about it and you need to start circling it in prayer. But if it's a paper wall, if it's a paper wall, then you need to walk up to it and you just need to start poking your finger through it. 
and realize that thing actually doesn't hold any power over you. Start poking your finger through that thing. Number three, relabel them. Relabel them. My paper walls, my, my personal paper wall, I'm being very like, honest here, like, my personal paper walls are actually made up of excuses that pose as reasons. I call them reasons, but they're actually not. They don't hold any water. Like, they're actually excuses that pose as reasons. That, that, so, so relabel it. Because, um, because reasons are, are legitimate obstacles, but excuses are just paper walls. So take, take a moment and just relabel them. Just call them for what they are. Because unless you call them for what they are, they will continue to hold you back. And you'll continue to think that you have a brick wall in front of you when God's saying, ah, it's paper. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. The fourth thing I want to encourage you to do is this. Ask this question. What am I losing if I continue to excuse? What am I losing if I continue to excuse? What am I missing out on by refusing to stand up to my paper wall? What is it costing me? What, what re, whose respect am I continue losing if I continue to excuse? And many times we find ourselves afraid of moving forward because of what it will cost us, right? Well, you just don't understand. Like, if I do this thing, if I make this decision, if I do this, like, it will cost me something. But what I've found in my life is this. You will either experience the pain of change or you'll experience the pain of staying the same. Both of them cost us something. Many times we don't realize that our indecision is actually a decision. It's just a decision not to make a decision. <laughs> but there's always a cost. There's always a cost involved. And so if we're very honest and we're asking ourselves, like, what am I, what is it costing me if I continue to excuse? Well, all the reasons that I could come up with about taking better care of myself were actually excuses, and I'm the one paying for it. All of the reasons that I could come up with about why my finances are out of control were actually excuses, and I'm the one paying for it. So ask the question, what am I losing if I continue to excuse? Number five is this. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. If it's a brick wall in your life, and believe me, I'm not saying everything in your life is a paper wall. Please don't hear, hear me say that. There are legitimate brick walls in here right now of moving forward, and you're like, Pastor Justin, this is not just a reason. It's not just an excuse. These are legit impediments for me to be able to move forward. If you have a brick wall, then I would, I would highly encourage you to tell somebody, and what I mean by that is you need to start gathering people around you that will circle that wall with you in prayer. 
Because you can't do it alone. Joshua did not do it alone. He didn't say, you know what, army, you guys can just sit back here. God told me to do something really silly. I'm going to go walk the wall. You guys chill out here because I don't want to embarrass myself. If you've got a brick wall in your life, you actually need to gather people around you, brothers and sisters in Christ, to say, would you gather around and pray circles around these brick walls in my life? Why? Because the only answer is God needs to make these things fall. I need people in my life to be praying circles around these walls in my life with me. But if it's a paper wall, you need to tell somebody. You need to tell somebody who loves you enough to help you come alongside and say, actually, Justin, that's just paper. I I hear your reasons, but they sound a whole lot like paper walls moving forward. Someone who loves you enough to help you poke holes in it. To take away the power that it seems to have in your life. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Maybe you're here today and and you know that the walls in your life are too big for you. I want to say this. Even if it's a brick wall or a paper wall, the answer is probably yes, they are too big for you. Good news, I know a God who makes walls into entryways. I know a God who makes walls into entryways. But we we have to walk in his ways. We have to choose to walk in his ways if we're going to walk in his blessings. And I think so many of us want the blessing to land in our laps, but we don't want to walk in obedience to the word of God over our life. But we've got to walk in his ways to walk in his blessings. So if you've never surrendered your life to God, that's where you start. And today sounds like a good day to do that. And so as we just, as we end here today, I just want to give you an opportunity to encounter a wall-breaking, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, this is the beginning of some walls being torn down in your life because you can't do it on your own. You need Jesus Christ to come alongside and speak life and prophesy um, purpose and his promise over this, give you a vision to live for, to give you boundaries to, to, to put into your life. But you need Jesus Christ in your life. And so if you're that in that place right now, just between you and Jesus, if you're in that place right now and you're like, you know what? I know that I desperately need a savior. I know that I can't do this on my own. These walls are too big and they're too wide and they're too impenetrable. And I've been walking around them for so long and I just don't see a way out. On the count of three, I just wanted you to raise your hand. Just one, he sees you. Two, your life will never be the same. Three, raise your hand and say, God, I, I see you right now. And I want, I desperately want you in my life. Okay. (laughs) Those of you who are raising your hand right now with me, I want you to pray this prayer with me. There is nothing magical about it. It is just putting words to what is in your heart before God. You can say, Jesus, I surrender to your will. And I surrender to your ways today. And I repent for my disobedience. And Jesus, through your life, death, and resurrection, 
I ask that you would forgive me of my sin and give me more and better life. Fill me, Holy Spirit, and make me new. In Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, I thank you for each and every single person in here that raised their hand that made that commitment today to say, God, I desperately need to encounter a wall-breaking, life-changing Savior in my life today. I believe that it is the beginning of a journey, the beginning of walking into a promise that you never even thought or could even imagine that there is more for you. And if you made that decision today, your next step is to get baptized. If you've never been baptized, that's your next step. You're wondering, what, what do I do next? And I want you to leave today. Make sure you, you go over there to our, to our prayer corner. We've got a, a Bible and some resources. You can kind of let say, hey, when's the next baptism? I want to get signed up for that. But don't leave here today without picking up the Bible and resources so we can be, just encourage you on the path that you're set on today. And as we worship today, as we, as we enter into this time of worship, I want to read this scripture to you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, it says this. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. Let me say that again. You need to persevere. You need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. What are the things that God has called you to be obedient in this year? What are the things that God has called you to walk in action this year? And here's what I will say. You will never know the things that you missed out on because you failed to persevere. Take some time as we sing today. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me about today? What are the walls? What are the walls that you've called to fall this year? Identify them in me, Lord. Interrogate them. I want to relabel them. God, I want to ask just what is it costing me of my indecision to move forward? Lord, I pray that, that you would highlight these walls that seem so huge and big and tall and wide and impenetrable. And Lord, I pray that you would speak life. Speak life, speak life, speak life in those areas that are dead and seem like they're hopeless. So Jesus, we lift your name up high. Let's worship him today in Jesus' name. Amen.